Once again, Hollywood and social media cannot take a joke when it comes to memes that the president posts. We're going to get into one specifically that the internet is currently raving about, and it comes from the movie Independence Day. And then we're going to talk about a book that we're both reading currently, and it's 50 Cent's Hustle Harder, Hustle Smarter. It's pretty good. Let's get into it. Yo, this is Hanging with Apes, an Audio Apes podcast. Real talk, real topics, no limits. Audio Apes, music with no boundaries. What's up, everybody? This is K Cartoon. This is RX Phonics. We are the Audio Apes, and you are officially Hanging with Apes, a weekly Tuesday podcast where we discuss trending topics and current news with a philosophical and comedic flair and our take on it. Two guys from the south side of Chicago. There is explicit language at times, so be advised. Go on over to Twitter. Follow us at Hanging with Apes. Go on over to our website. That's HangingWithApes.com. You can sign up for our newsletter. And if you want to listen to some really good rap and hip-hop music, go to any major music streaming platform. Type in Audio Apes and our catalog pops up. It truly is the best. Truly is the best. So once again, the internet, they're up in arms. They can't handle the president. He's just too much to handle. What is he doing? He's doctoring photos. He's doctoring videos. He's alternating the space-time continuum. What is the man doing? So you want to get into that subject at at first, or or do you wanna you want to get into the subject of the book? Yeah, let's start off light. Let's let's talk this meme game where Donald Trump thinks he could just superimpose himself and all the greatest moments of cinema. So so let's start off with the clip itself, and then we'll kind of give the little backstory. Many of you will remember the movie Independence Day. This clip is from Independence Day. So I'm going to play it real quick and then you guys can, we can get into it. Here we go. Mankind, that word should have new meaning for all of us today. We can't be consumed by our petty differences anymore. We will be united in our common interests. And you will once again be fighting for our freedom. Not from tyranny, oppression, or persecution. But from annihilation. We're fighting for our right to live. To exist. And should we win the day, the 4th of July will no longer be known as an American holiday. But as the day when the world declared in one voice, we will not go quietly into the night. We will not vanish without a fight. We're going to live on. We're going to survive. Today, we celebrate our Independence Day. All right. So describe what is in that video. So for many of you that remember the movie Independence Day, you'll remember that's the part where Bill Pullman's character as the president is giving a speech before the the movie enters the third act, the climactic scene, the final battle, so to speak. And in the crowd are all the various actors and different characters from the movie that have played a significant role. Well, in this particular alternate doctored 
version that according to the Hollywood Reporter, the president hijacked this moment, which this moment was from the 90s. So that moment has come and gone. You have President Trump's face superimposed on Bill Pullman. So it looks like Trump is saying this stuff. Obviously, it's Bill Pullman's voice, but it looks like the president is saying it at a visual level. And then the crowd, instead of the various actors from the movie, it's various supporters of and commentators or representatives of the president. So you have you have his uh, his one of his strategists, Brad Parscale, in in the crowd. You see Ted Cruz, you see Ivanka Trump, you see his sons, yeah. all of that stuff. Funny, you know, whatever, like something that you might see and give a like or a retweet, whatever the case. But apparently the actor himself, Bill Pullman, is very upset or I wouldn't say very upset, but he's perturbed at the idea that the president did that. And well, how did he phrase it? He said, my voice belongs to no one but me. And I'm not running for president this year. Oh, because we didn't know that, Bill yeah. Pullman. So <laughs> thanks for that. Thank you. For thanks it. for the clarification, because we didn't know that you weren't running for president. We thought that that video was your campaign ad. That's yeah. what we thought. It's so ridiculous. It's so ridiculous. And then the people online that have the nerve and the audacity to to be so upset at what is clearly a joke what is meant to be a joke what's yeah. directed as a joke the fact that even like what, what you were saying about the whole hijack moment this was in the hollywood reporter this is exactly what that little sentence says it says only trump's face is superimposed in the video he shared but the voice is still that of pullman it is unclear why trump hijacked the moment <laughs> really like are we really <laughs> are we really having this conversation you you know never heard of a meme or just that but that's what's so crazy yeah. like you just phrased it are we really having this conversation yeah but that same thinking that same mindset is really why you have people like Elon Musk today tweeting and a lot of people are retweeting it and liking it I don't know if you see his tweet today take the red pill oh no yeah, no he, he tweeted he that says, today yeah and people are like, oh, well, you know, it, you know, the Daily Wire's talking about it and everything like that. Because there are a lot of people out there that are living in some like alternate universe where they really don't understand the president's behavior. They don't understand things like we just described. And it, it does at times some more or less make you wonder, like, well, what does the future look like? Who do these people vote for? Like, what do they believe in? Like, what world do they live in? Shit. Well, I mean, we'll talk about this a little later, but so many implementations of even 50s book. This one is called Evolve or Die. You have no idea who you're facing. You have no idea what he's doing. You're so out of whack that, like, you'll have roundtable meetings Roundtable discussions, because let's not forget, this is basically the same situation in which Trump had a meme in which he he's golfing, he hits the golf uh, ball, the golf ball hits Hillary, <laughs> and CNN has a roundtable discussion talking about how 
this is offensive and how this could be looked at as violence towards women. That's what CNN yeah. had a panel about when it came to that meme. That was like years ago now. But this is basically the same premise. Donald Trump sees someone, because it wasn't even, I think he, he retweeted it, if I'm not yeah, mistaken. It, someone made it or whatever, and he's like, oh, yeah. fuck it, let me just retweet it because this is fucking hilarious. That's it. That's That's all. Like, laugh at it, be mad at it, whatever. It's a meme. Let's move along. It should not even be part of this episode, but just the fact that this is actual a discussion. But also, the what what people don't realize is the value in in that. Like, there's a level of authenticity in a president or a high level politician tweeting these things or retweeting them that people are not accustomed to, yeah. and. What politicians don't realize is that there's an enormous amount of value in that. Yes. Well, look because at, it's yeah. not, it's so rare. It, yeah. Think of Donald Trump. Once and, in yeah. generation type shit. Yeah, but like, like, would you have ever thought before he became president and before he started campaigning that he would ever do something like that? Not really. Like, I mean, like, like retweet and stuff like that. Like, not retweet, put, but like retweet memes. Yeah, like retweet memes. a meme with him. I just don't. S- I mean, I could have seen it. I could have saw it because he's he's always been a character. Yeah. But I I would imagine him doing that stuff in like a non in a non political setting or in a non-political format not as a president of the United right States. not necessarily as the president yeah um he's always come off as a jokester because even you know when he was debating for the presidency he would crack jokes and 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 <laughs> and, and you know give little slights to the opponents only rosie o'donnell every every here and there yeah so that is that is his personality I what I didn't expect is for him to get such a solid grasp of yeah the utilization of that like the fact yeah. that like people get so caught up in like their anger that they don't really see that the dude like he knows what he's doing yes it's 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 a tactic and it's badass and it's like well he's using the times mm mm-hmm. mhm for his campaign. Like that's basically him campaigning. Yeah, very much so. And and I would imagine you could expect a lot more of that, especially if rallies are are gonna be less populated, if they even happen at all. Yeah. He's going to have to get real busy when it comes to the internet. But what's so wild about that is that I don't know if you remember when Steve Bannon sort of stepped out of the picture and Brad Parscale stepped in the picture. Brad Parscale, like his bread and butter is the internet. Like that's his thing. So it is sort of, it is kind of crazy to live in, in this time of a pandemic and social distancing and everything like that, that your campaign, I don't know if it's the campaign, lead campaign manager or lead campaign strategist, but to have somebody of that capacity running the show with yeah. things the way they are, that's that's pretty epic. Like, yeah. I mean, that that definitely is can be viewed as a, a recipe for a women winning formula. Yeah. 
Yeah, and it's just the outrage is hilarious. And I feel like basically what happened with the left ever since Bush is the right became the punching bag. The punching bag, the punching bag, the punching bag. Oh, you're, you, look at you, you're so fucking uptight. Look at you, you don't have a care in the world. And I feel like ever since Trump came in the way he did, it's like, well, okay, I'm all of that then. I'm all of that. I'm going to piss you off every moment. And that works because it, it, basically you created this monster. Yeah. But you have to be unapologetic about it yeah. as he is. Yeah. See, I think that was the mistake that Mitt Romney and McCain made as yeah. as running against Obama. McCain ran against him the first time. Mitt Romney ran against him the second time. Was that it was there was... They were too apologetic, too soft, try to be a little too classy. And what Trump realized very early on, and many other people, I would say even, I would say mostly younger Republicans realized is, well, we're not facing a classy opponent. No. Like, why do I have to be the class act? Why do I have to be the grown up? Why do I have to be the adult here when... Would you just punching us and kicking dirt in our face and everybody's on your side, the mainstream media, everything. Yeah, they did a good job at like the hierarchy of the left. It was like Obama's a classy figure and then motherfuckers are gonna play and dirty. And then his the minions get-go. could do and say whatever the fuck they want. Exactly. Yeah. And the best way to deal with a passive aggressive motherfucker is just to be like, fuck you, punch him in the face. Yeah. And that's exactly what Trump did. Trump came in and really didn't even start with the left. He did He did it in the primaries to all the Republicans who, oh, we're going to play the classy game. We're going to be this. We're going to be that. Yeah, I don't know about you guys, but this is this has been over for us forever. So I'm not taking the same route you guys are. And, no, and, and, and yeah. had he not done what he did, Hillary Clinton would be our president right now. Yeah. And if she was our president right now, I feel like we would be facing potentially some real freedom issues when it comes to this virus and and things opening back up and people relying on the government and just the overall mindset as far as what is and what should be and and what's acceptable and and what's not and as you know, I had a, a debate with some people online this past week oh, yeah. uh, about the, the 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 new relief package that the House just voted on. Well, what was it? Do you remember like the actual post that the person had put? Yeah, I'm sure I am sure I could find it really quick. But it, it was it was essentially about the the relief package that's that's uh that was just voted on by the House but is expected to get some uh, pushback. I found it in the Senate, and this was the original post that you responded to. So it was the, it was basically Mitch McConnell talking about his thoughts, and then the guy said, the post said, Mitch really said it's an unserious effort to see struggling Americans, or to help struggling Americans. Remember, when you vote, they'll bail out banks and big corps. After a couple months of struggling, they make billions. But giving you twenty four hundred. Uh, $2,400, 
is too damn much. The GOP is a fucking joke. Right, and I responded, it is an unserious effort because these bills do nothing but cause hyperinflation, add to the national debt, cause bureaucratic nightmares, and cause agenda-based reliance on the government. That is Hillary's wet dream, is reliance on the government. Overall, that's what the left like wants, but like Hillary was a is a big proponent of reliance on the government. And then I went on to say health leaders, world leaders, and scientists have been wrong about COVID-19 since day one and continue to be wrong. And they are constantly changing the narrative, such as masks, no masks, human to human transmission, no human to human transmission. Oh, shit, we were wrong. Yeah, human to human transmission. Millions. Oh, uh, uh, containment, flatten the curve, millions dead. Like it's been wrong, 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 yeah. wrong, wrong. That's why I don't even know how the media and people online have the audacity to like get at the president about being wrong. Not to mention when everybody's been wrong, even the the most hailed of the of the World Health Organization and Dr. Fauci and all these people that everybody loves, they were wrong too. Everybody's been wrong. That and not only that, but like surgical masks are meant for people that are sick. You know, you know, like that doesn't really. That might help a little bit, but it's not really meant for for you to be protected. You would need an N95, and that's not even full protection. And that's then a I, whole other debate right there. And then I went on to say, furthermore, it is not the capacity of the government to su- to financially support people. While I don't agree with any bailouts, banks and corporations are different in the capacity than households. But even then, historically, the GOP has stood against bailouts more than the left. Which is very true. So even like yeah. you're, you're, you you want to talk you want to talk about about oh well the GOP their jokes and they'll bail out banks and and corporations. Even when it came down to bailing out banks and corporations, they were more against it than the than the Democrats. So yeah. like y- your facts are not even really in line when it comes to that. But I am still making the case that while I don't agree with bailouts in any capacity. There is a difference between bailing out individuals and households versus banks and corporations. And I'm not going to get into the whole back and forth because pretty much by like my second response, this person, they didn't concede because people never do, but their response was pretty much like removed from the topic and and other people that had chimed in had said stuff like, oh, well, you, you know that I hit the, the, I hit it right on the nose with, with what I had said. And then somebody else had chimed in in defense of the original posting. And I mentioned to them that, yes, while you're putting a lot of blame and and fault towards banks and corporations, well, also where the red pill comes in, if you will, Let's look at the fact that households and individuals have from the the middle to lower middle to lower class have been doing things pretty fucked up for a while. I mean, yeah, people still send their kids to college for useless degrees like like that's still a thing, despite all the statistics and metrics out there that show that there is a student loan debt crisis that's still a thing. So yeah. so that's number one. Then the multitude of other like economic 
fallacies that that people have made that we've discussed on this episode on on these episodes time and time again you're not putting any emphasis on that in your argument because if you put emphasis on that then a person will be like all right well this is a more balanced approach yeah that's the same thing with people that respond to these sorts of memes and jokes of the president superimposing himself on a clip from independence day is like well, nothing about how you respond to the president is balanced. So there's no reason for us to yeah. even like, you know, <laughs> take you val- serious, but take you serious or validate anything that you have to say. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, and that's the times that we live in now. And, and that's the losing formula of the left. If, if you want any validation or anyone to take you serious, you'd have to at least correlate some logic to your arguments and to your like to your persona to who you are and it's like right now they don't have an identity it's just crying yeah so you know you're talking about how president trump cries you've been crying for fucking since 2016 stop crying start doing yeah, that's it yeah there's no doing there's no doing yeah. whatsoever and on, on your point about hillary how scary it would have been See right now we have the we have the the quality in in the fact that like someone like AOC would never be taken serious right now. No. Just, not not by the masses. Not yeah, not in this political climate, but with Hillary, she she would be a lot more friendlier with them. I don't think that she'd fall into like oh let's do the green new deal type shit but like she would at least hear them out a lot more than than and give the the right give their 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 uh radical ideology more reverence more it'd be more normalize it more yeah yeah 100 percent. well i mean that's what happened under the eight years of obama and that's why trump culturally is such a shock to so many people because so much of the PC culture, so much of this this uh, passive aggressive uh, racism from like people of color towards white people, like it became so normal that yeah. when Trump came out and was like, "Well, no, fuck that, no, people should say what they want," and like he's done everything that he's done culturally, yeah. it, it was such a shock. I feel like now it's a little less of a shock to people. But then you get articles like this where yeah. clearly there's those out there that are still struggling with that, the acceptance. Yeah, and, and we'll look at the Tara Reid situation with Biden. It's looking like she's a very inconsistent person, but just the monster that you created with this, just believe her. Yeah. Now, Biden has to deal with that. Now, now it makes... It makes the left so hypocritical. The fact, that, oh well, I thought just believe her. I thought just believe them. Aren't you? Aren't you going to look into it? And then yeah. now they're looking into it. Well, honestly, like I don't know why Trump's campaign hasn't taken what Biden said to Mike Bloomberg at the debate about the the non disclosure agreements that <laughs> that Bloomberg made, and yeah. it's like you should release those. Right now, 
and, and, and let the world decide all of that. Like, yeah. why don't like they literally could take like what he said and what he like his mannerisms yeah. and like pin it against himself now with the terrorist situation yeah. because they have shown that they really don't have any interest or wants for that matter to look into the situation. He doesn't even seem to like really remember her. That that could be used. Shit. But the flip side of it is well, that I think maybe even under normal circumstances they might have done that already. But because of the whole COVID nineteen thing, yeah, that takes up so much of the spotlight. It takes up so much of everything. And I do think that Trump is strategizing currently, and I think that's a big reason why Kaylee McEnany is there now to deal with the media more because dude really does even there's an election coming like yeah COVID-19 or not and you do need to prepare and you can't underestimate Sleepy Joe even though you may want to and feel like it's warranted to underestimate yeah. dude you just can't because there's too much at stake yeah you know what I'm saying so you know maybe they're they're Maybe they know that the terror thing is gonna fizzle out by the time we get closer to November, and and yeah, and if you think about it, it's May. Yeah. By the time November is that that's old old news. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. In politics, so like you know, would it even be worth the the resources or or whatever the case? Do you think they're gonna have a debate? Like, do you think they're gonna, or is it gonna be like a digital debate, remote debate? Like, how, how the fuck is that gonna happen? Or maybe a debate that's televised and they're there, but like nobody, no crowd. Or if I was the Trump administration, me campaigning, yes, I want to debate this man. Oh, big time, big time. So I would want to. I, I would. If I were them, yeah. I and would want I want to be happen. like in the same place with this motherfucker. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So so I would say that if there is one, I don't know, I guess the COVID-19 pandemic could be used against Trump in the sense that they could be like, well, shit, this is our way of kind of safe. Because Biden has been safeguarded the whole way through. The whole way through. For, like the, the primaries. Wow. He said almost nothing for most of the time. Everyone else had the spotlight, yet he wins. A lot of people are comparing his current campaign to the, the, the referencing the movie A Weekend at Bernie's, like just holding the dead body up. Like, <laughs> essentially, that's what's being what he's been propped up. Like, <laughs> because if you think about it, Bloomberg had the most moderate approach and the money warren yeah and what the money but i'm talking about platform here like so bloomberg had the most moderate approach warren and bernie the most progressive approach Buttigieg had probably the most innovative ideas Biden, nothing like there's nothing yeah. really about his platform that has stood out other than him taking a whole lot of credit for shit that happened during the Obama administration. Like, I'm the guy that went out there and got the votes. I was I'm, there. I'm the guy. I was in the room. Oh, OK, like, but 
I was the in reason, America. <laughs> is that even a good? Is that even a a, a a good ploy? Is that even a good tactic? Because the reason that Trump is president now is because people didn't think that that shit was like such a great thing. So yeah, does that does that pan out for you? So I really don't know what his platform is. Obviously, it's going to be very hard to even find out because he has his little like web sessions that nobody cares about. Like yeah, it's like they they don't even get like many views, and he forgets. What he's about to say every five seconds. So yeah. then it, it's like, man, what the fuck? What, what is he saying? And then he'll just start saying numbers. He's like, yeah, you know, because fifty million. This so, price. <laughs> it's like what? <laughs> what is he saying? No, but like, have you seen some of those? They're bad. Yeah, he's. It's he's bad. Wacky. Like it just. It almost makes me feel bad for him, in the sense that like. These people are so desperate that they just want somebody there, but like this guy has, and it won't be him running the show. It'll no. be his people, his handlers. It won't be him. Yeah, like if I were them, I thought it, it, Elizabeth Warren best is is best suited for the left in the sense that she is what they want. That is what they are. But they're not. Nah, but there's no chance she would win. Though. She she wouldn't have won. But but I don't think anybody would. Honestly, I don't think anybody would have won. Yeah. But but, but the thing is, you got to look at it how they were looking at it from a tr- from a st- strategic standpoint. Yeah. And the way that they were looking at it is who has the best chance to beat Trump. Biden at the time before like we knew him to be sleepy Joe <laughs> yeah had the best chance just from a, a surface level because his yeah. tenure with the Obama administration his uh kind of rough around the edges personality yeah but so, see that was our mistake see but we're afforded that mistake because we're afforded that mistake because we're not even part of that we're not in front of these people. You know what I mean? Like, of course, we were thinking that because, yeah, like on paper. But they were thinking that too, though. But see, what you don't think it's embarrassing? Like, if you're part of the, that team, right? Like, because see, like, I could be the opponent and look at that as like, damn, this is probably the guy. But like, you're having conversations with this guy, you're sitting down with this guy, he's talking. You didn't once see that this motherfucker got dementia? Like, because they, they hit it very I see, well. I see what you're saying. I, I do. I get it. But you also have to understand that we're dealing with people that are... They don't... You We're dealing with the people that they don't really think highly of the American voter. So I could imagine that they thought that like like we would never catch on to this shit. Like mm. I could imagine them thinking that because... You gotta remember, like these are people they don't think highly of us. Like CNN, the fact that they like are uh, on a day to day basis keep perpetuating like the same like radical anti Trump propaganda, and even though their numbers are going down and alternative media numbers are going up, and people have less and less care for them, the reason why that shit is still going on and they have not pivoted or as in the book that we're going to describe, they have not evolved is because 
they don't think highly of us. They don't think that we're going to, like, catch on to any of this shit. They're basically disregarded. Yeah, they're disregarding the voter. The voter. It's yeah. like, all right, well, like, what do they know? Like, they don't know anything. They're idiots. They're stupid. They're not going to They're not gonna catch on to anything. It's just the alternative was, I think, even for them still too scary, which would have been Bernie. Like, I, it, it's still... Yeah. Still too scary for for even many of them. So, so yeah, that's that's the thing. But the American voter is more savvy than they're giving credit for, and you see it when you're in the realm of alternative media. Like if yeah. you watch a Stephen Crowder video and you look at the comments, if you talk to people that listen to our show. You talk to people that read Breitbart, like you talk to people that 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 fuck with Tim Pool, The Daily Wire, Ben Shapiro. Shit on the left, you could distinguish if you like Bill Maher or not. You could distinguish what type of lefty you are, because there is some agreeableness to Bill Maher in the sense that like he's not with the whole PC shit. Yeah. So right there, that takes a lot of the surface, like level shit that you look at progressively you're like you guys are fucking morons at least with bill maher you look at that type of liberal as like well i can have a conversation with this motherfucker like we might not agree because we we with bill maher we're actually we're taught we're actually talking about the issues yeah like with with a progressive it's like oh this is made up shit like you're just rambling micro macroaggressions all types of wild concepts that like they'll just they're just gonna have nothing to do with anything (laughs) yeah yeah Yeah. and and it's you're not gonna get anywhere in that conversation and it's gonna be like well it ends well and it's so cliche but it's so funny because you're either homophobe or racist and then also also one thing that that tim pool mentioned in a, a video a while ago but i do think that it is very accurate the left tends to have younger voters. And I find that a lot of the youth and we're, you know, we're talking about like the, the, from, from like, we're talking, you know, 18, around 16, you start to like care of like what's going on in the world. Like it starts to kind of occur to you that things matter if you have the capacity to care, but that's typically the, about the time that like issues matter. You have from like that age up to like, I don't know, 25-ish. And if you see a lot of people that are in that bracket, that age bracket, many of them don't know anything about what's going on. And they were like, they are like lost on TikTok. They are lost in social media. They like, they don't. So, so much of this youth brigade that the left often expects to save them the kids are the future type shit it doesn't pan out for them in many occasions they don't even bother to care they don't even right like let alone go vote they don't even bother bother to care like what we're talking about right now would right over their head yeah I mean, I don't know if like who you blame that on. If you blame that on the ter- the the parents, the teachers, the the, the mixture of both, I don't know. But it's some something that that's uh, rather interesting. Now, before we move along, do you think after Biden, 
they're going to get their act together? Do you think that they're going to, and I'm talking about the left, do you think that they're actually going to like kind of restart? Um, I think it matters heavily. Well, it's hard to answer because I think it, uh, like at face value, I think it matters heavily on what Trump would do in a second term. If they are strategic, they may want to wait to see how like the first two years of his second term pan out. Like this is what I would do if I was them. I'm not trying to give these motherfuckers the playbook, but like this is what I would do if I was them. Yeah, I'd be like, all right. We threw everything at this man. He is going to cut our necks. Like he's going to kill some of us. I want, like, I would, like, all the left, Nancy Pelosi, all them. I would get all. If I was her, I'd get all them in the room and be like, "Some of you are going to die." Like <laughs> I want you to know that. Like, you're not going in, to be done now. Not in a literal sense, but in in every other sense of the world, word, professionally, career wise, politically, like you guys are, like a lot of you are going to die. I might even die. Our agendas are going to die because this dude is going to like slice necks because he has every reason to. He doesn't have to worry about re-election. Yeah. He doesn't have to worry about playing nice. Our only hope right now is that from the grassroots level, we build ourselves so that in two years during our midterm, this dude doesn't have complete and utter power. Because two years will pass, and then if the House becomes Republican and the Senate stays Republican, that they're dead. Like, it's yeah. over with. And then they would have, at that point, you would have no choice but to restart. You would have no choice but to because if you don't restart, then, like, the the left is dead. Like, it, would, it will die. And yeah. then that's not good for the country either. Like... Because like you need balance because yeah. just because right now the right wing seems a little bit like more logical and, and fact-based, it could get illogical and, and irrational if it gets too crazy. Naturally, they could lose their way. Exactly. Exactly. So you don't, you don't want that. And that's one thing that we've talked about on the show some time ago, but like when, you know, Trump won and like things were going, you know, in, in, in the favor of the right, like the the economy was getting better. There was tax reform and everything. And it was kind of like a winning, 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 winning. Yeah. I brought it up like, well, let's not get too comfortable. Yeah. And then also let's still respect the other side because yeah. you don't want to fall into the trap that they fell into with the right they like totally lost respect for the right and then it got to the point yeah. where it's like damn like now we underestimate these motherfuckers because yeah. like if they if they if they had never underestimated the right there would be no Stephen crowders there would be no ben shapiro's there would be none yeah. none of these people these people were bred out of well like you're underestimating us, but like we we are more fact based than you. We have more statistics than you. We have the numbers. We have yeah. the capacity. We have the the work ethic. We have the journalistic integrity. That would not be if you had underestimated. I mean, yeah. even look yeah. at like the slight pivot that you see from Joe Rogan 
and I would say even more pivot from Tim Pool, where like even these guys sometimes these guys are left wingers, but they are considered right wingers at times because they just want to live in like a logic based reality. Yeah. And they're looked at. So that means that you your side has radically underestimated things. And so you don't want to fall into that either. You don't yeah. you don't want to you don't want to fall into to that. You want to give your opponent the credit that honestly sometimes even give them more credit than they deserve because it keeps you even keeled. And then the lack of healthy competition will just fucking like add to that just yeah. like you're saying like is like you're going to think you can do no wrong and 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 that lack of self-reflection, the lack of the other voice, it gets you get weak. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's just oh, it's like you almost have like yes, man. Yeah, and and it's not it's, it's definitely not good. So yeah, it'll be interesting. It'll be interesting. Like, but, have you ever yeah. been around people that like you know that that from an ideological, philosophical, worldview level, they've they've never been challenged or like they've never had to deal with like opposing ideologies like it's it's like a floppy noodle like it's like nothing like yeah. you it's like ricky hatton versus manny not, pacquiao worse than ricky yeah. Hatton, like worse than that <laughs> it's like fucking a bum off the street versus manny pacquiao yeah, or like mike it, tyson it's it, like a first round 10 second knockout yeah that type of shit it, it's it's pretty wild yeah. so let's segue into the 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 next topic we've both been reading 50 cents new book hustle harder hustle smarter and the reason why we felt like it was a good topic to discuss on the podcast is because many of you know stuff about us you know that we're from chicago obviously we mentioned that in the intro of every episode uh we're from the south side of chicago we have a very different perspective from many of the people that we grew up around. Um, I would say that by and large, the way that we've led our lives is very different than many of the people that we've grew, grown up around. From the things that we do professionally to the things that we do creatively, investments, hobbies, topics of discussion, and every so often, as much as we rock with and accept people that come from different backgrounds and different demographics and, and achieve a certain level of success and we respect it and everything like that, it is nice once in a while to come across a book written by somebody whose upbringing and background yeah. is a lot more resembled to yeah. yours yeah and i feel like this book is that in many many ways yes yes and even the first one that he i like this one better well this is the first book that he's written by by himself oh is it okay well yeah i could see because robert green kind of wrote the 50th law yeah like he was it with was 50s like, kind of vision on what exactly. he thought which which even that showed glimpses of like damn this is crazy like the concepts that he's talking about are, are things that we probably we would feel the same way like when he said even in that book when he was talking about like 
there's business deals that people like lose sleep over and like you wouldn't even lose sleep over because like you're not even supposed to be here. I'm not even yeah. supposed to be alive. And it's like, well, I could definitely like see that. I could definitely, I've felt that before. Like, yeah. damn, like well, you You referenced that in, in some of your verses yeah. and, and, and certain records. We come from an environment where that is a possibility. Like you could have died at a young age because of the environment and for nothing important either yeah. like just some dumb gang shit that you're not even involved in yeah. that a guy w- has a beef with one guy and shoots and you he get thinks you're somebody the- else yeah and 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 it's like it, it, it's crazy and even like I, I remember even us playing like pickup games like pickup games like basketball or football and like gang members would come up to us trying to tell and like it was like we were like, well, fuck you. We're we're playing. We're obviously not gangbanging, motherfucker. But like even that could have turned into like us getting drive by and it is what it is. Oh well. And then the way the news would have looked at it was just like, oh, another Latino or black kid shot. Yeah. Like we would just be a regular what normal shit. It'd be it's, a statistic. Yeah. yeah. And it's like, well, it's 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 pretty sad. So watching or reading that book and then like seeing this book and, and it being, cause you were the one that told me like he, I didn't even know he had a book out. I didn't even know he had a book out. And then you told me that he narrates it. I was like, Oh, I gotta, I got a book. Yeah. yeah. So I actually was subscribed to another app called script, which is actually like you could read books on there and you could also listen to the audiobooks. I, canceled my membership because the book wasn't available for that and i was like fuck it i'm just going to audible mm-hmm. so i went to audible and then and it was badass because i guess they had like a promotion where they give you three credits oh nice so, so i got that one i got the the 50 cent hustle smart hustle smarter hustle harder hustle smarter then i got the one that you were telling me about uh the curse of the high iq yeah by aaron clary yeah and then and then there's one that i had my eye on by him too called uh uh what was it except the decline or something like that oh yeah so i I haven't read that one but i know of it yeah and it's badass because even though he doesn't narrate them the guy that narrates them he narrates them very well because i sampled them before Mm -hmm. because i was like ah i do like the touch of like the author actually reading what he wrote yeah it is it it is it's something it's a it's a very fine subtle yeah thing that just gives a lot more value to the audio version of the book. Yeah, yeah. Not I, a lot of people would appreciate it, though. Like, if you're not... You, it's like one of those appreciating the finer things in life type of thing. Like, yeah. But, but if you if you catch it, it, it it's it's pretty great. Yeah, it's, it's like they're talking to you, yeah. basically. And, uh, and and the the emotion and everything, it's said the way that they wanted it to be said it said the way that it's it's meant to be said it's it's sort of like how when dr dre described beats and like other high quality headphones yeah he's like well (laughs) it's when this is like the way the music was intended to be heard yeah you know what i'm saying so so yeah it's kind of like that oh yeah and um well shit he had how many chapters does he have on his book uh let's see it's nine chapters and we've pretty much gotten through most of the book, not quite, but just like even the titles of the chapters: "Finding Fearlessness," "Heart of a Hustler," "Construct," "Constructing Your Crew," "Knowing Your Value," "Evolve or Die," "Power of Perception," "If We Can't Be Friends," 
well, that even though that's the name of that chapter, is that if we can't be friends, we'll be enemies. That's really the concept of that. Learning from your L's. And then the last one, the entitlement trap. It's not so much those chapters, but it's those chapters through the filter of somebody that thinks a lot like us. Yeah, because there's, there's nothing necessarily like stand out about the names of those chapters. Yeah. But when you delve into Evolve or Die, which was one of the more standout chapters to me, and you see how so many people from your neighborhood, people you grew up with, your socioeconomic background fall into certain traps yeah, because they refuse or are too ignorant to evolve. You're like, damn, where you look at like, damn, I've been able, maybe not necessarily the exact same things or references that, that, that he brings up, but you still think about it like, damn, I've been able to avoid many pitfalls because I evolved here. I evolved here. I evolved here. You know what I'm saying? Versus, yeah. well, in in the hood, things are 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 like this, and that's the way that that it's just meant to be. Yeah. He even talks about something that I remember. You, me, Donnell, Vince, and Big Baby have had a conversation about, and it's this concept of being too cool like like in 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 the hood like being cool is like such an important thing like oh you got to be cool you got to be cool and so it cuts you off from a lot of things yeah. or it's like oh that's nerd shit or whatever that would help you grow and he talks about his friendship with Robert Green yeah. he's like you know in the hood, like I'm not supposed to be friends with a guy like Robert Greene, some white middle-aged dude yeah. who writes books. You know what I'm saying? Like a di- totally different background. Real docile guy too, you compared to fifties, like real brash persona. Exactly. And then you and I recently were talking about in an episode how, at this age of 32, we've met so many like different people from different backgrounds and. Yeah. We vibe with them, like, despite them not being where we're from and having different values and beliefs, but it's because we value productivity. That, and and then even just, like, the lessons you learn. I remember I wanted Air Force Ones. I wanted Air Force Ones. My dad was like, no, you're getting Reeboks. (laughs) Not even the nice Reeboks. You're getting the real ugly ones, because that's the ones I... I want to get you because like there's other shit we got to spend on or Avrex. Which ones? Obviously, I got the Avrex with the snake skin. On it. God damn. <laughs> yeah, dude. It was it was wild as fuck. But I was like, fuck if you're. But then it it came to the point where like as I started getting older and I started like you know being able to work and stuff like that, I was like, what? Well, why would I ask? Like if I ask him, I'll get Avrex. If I just work, yeah, I'll get exactly. Air Force Ones. Yeah. So I'll just buy what I want. So, you know, I never even thought about asking him for a, what was it, a PS2 or a PS3? I don't even, I don't even remember. There's been so many PlayStations, but like, I never even, those things that became like, why would I ask him? I'm yeah. just going to buy it. I'm, I'm going to get it. Um, and it's like that, like with him, it was kind of the same approach was like, what I want, I'm going to get. Like, I'm just going to get it. Like, I'm just going to fucking find a way. It's crazy you mentioned that because I remember with the PS2, I remember 
I got it, right? And, you know, I, I, I worked, saved money. I got it. I'm like, damn, I got me a PS2 decent. And then the Xbox was out. The original Xbox was out around the same time. Yeah. And so in my mindset, I was like, well, I would I would not ask for the PS2. I didn't ask for the PS2, nor would I ask for the Xbox. But in a world where I would ask for one of these game consoles, if I were even to get one of them, it was only going to be one. Yeah. But I was like, but that's that's the realm of me asking for it. But in the realm of me working for this shit. I could give. I could buy both. Yeah. So like, I was one of the, I, like I. I'm not trying to like flex or anything, but yeah. at that young age, I was one of the only motherfuckers that had both systems. Yeah. And mommy and daddy didn't buy it for them. Yeah. Like but, I was like I was like damn like I I got both and then I topped it up before like that generation of gaming ended. Yeah. I bought a GameCube. Yeah. Oh yeah. I had <laughs> and then I had all three systems. Oh, and yeah. I remember I had I had I had a system. I had a system. Uh, uh, in the basement, I had a system in the living room, and I had a system in my bedroom. Like, yep. And what, what's two y'all type yeah, oh, yeah. shit? But but that but it, it's a very important point that you bring up is like you evolve outside of well, I'm not gonna ask like like I'm gonna yeah. make it make it happen myself, and you more it or less lo- obstacles really. Because it's like, well, I want this, but now I, how do I get it? Yeah. Or, it, I mean, depends on how you look at it. Because you could look at it like it creates obstacles or you could look at it like it eliminates obstacles. Yeah. Because yeah, it's like, well, it's an obstacle dealing with everybody else's agenda and their budget or whatever. So, you know what? Like, let me eliminate all of that. I, yeah. I, I'm going to go get it. You know yeah. what I'm saying? So, yeah, very, very much so. And, and that's pretty awesome when you see so many examples and references that he gives in the book that we know of like certain things from his music when certain albums would drop, like how he talks about the competition with Kanye West with Curtis versus graduation and how he already knew that Interscope was pretty much like done with him. Like he was like, he's like, they, they kind of botched the release Things leaked. They didn't really care about it the way that Jay-Z running yeah. Death Jam at the time cared about Kanye's release. Yeah. And, you know, he, he talks about a lot of, like, very interesting things. But all of those interesting things are done through the lens of strategy and growth yeah. and creating opportunities for yourself. Yeah, not only that, but... You talked about the chapter Evolve or Die. One thing that stood out to me was when he told Lloyd Banks, and we were actually talking about in pre-production, about getting on Instagram. What I found very interesting is that Lloyd Banks was like, that's not something like Pac would do. That's not cool. That's not... And and, and like, He said it's corny. Yeah, he said it's corny. But then if, if you think about it, like that shows how versatile 50 Cent was in the sense that, like, yeah, you're a gangster rapper, but like... Are you a gangster rapper for the '90s, or are you like in the 2000s, yeah. where this shit is actually a tool that you need, like you just need it? You know what I mean? Like it's like use it. And in him trying to tell him that, like you started uh, he, the way he was talking about it, it was like it's not so much that he was like happy that Instagram was there because he even talks about how he he wasn't he didn't like it at first, mm-hmm. but then once he started seeing like oh man this is a tool. This is the tool. 
it's very important to look at these things as tools in changing times. Like, I'll, I'll be the first one to tell you, I don't give a fuck about TikTok. But now if someone was like, hey, listen, we could do a video about your podcast, this, this, and that. And if it works, yeah. oh, I love TikTok. Yeah, I know you what you're know, saying. You, you see what I'm saying? Because I'm a, it's like the businessman filter will make you evolve even yeah. to things that you don't think are cool. Because I really don't see what's cool about TikTok. But again, once it becomes a tool, it's like, oh, shit. I didn't, I never had to use this flathead screw driver, but now I do. Well, I, I need it. Yeah. And then you use it. So it's it's in that same regard that you have to like always look at things from two filters. One, which is you personally, would I get this for me personally? No. But depending on what you do, right, could you use it for an opportunity? And then that's another another filter. Right. And that's a filter that will make you change the way you look at things. Yeah. And then it shows the hustler spirit of 50 cent because it's like, well, I go with where the stuff is going. Like, so that's, that's where I'm going to go. Then he talks about when, when empire was pitted against his show power. And I didn't know this. I didn't know that, that, that he, he signed one of the biggest deals. Yeah. With stars. TV deals like in history. Yeah, yeah. 150 million. I didn't know that. Mm -hmm. So I was shocked because I knew that when he first started, my thought, and I did know this, he, he it was barely budgeted for for stars. Oh. So 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 I knew like of power, but then I was like, damn, like he's barely getting a cut. So I me thinking that 50 Cent was a savvy businessman, I was like, why? It doesn't make any sense. Maybe he's just like trying to get whatever he he can well no he explains it in, in in the in the book he talks about he cared more about the vision and what he was trying to do than the money yeah. which is something that was afforded to him by the fact that his money situation was good yeah and, and he talks about that in the book which is pretty badass yeah the concept of when you get yourself to a certain position you don't really have to chase money as aggressively yeah. because that's part of knowing your value. It's like, well, yeah, I could chase this short-term money or I could look at like the bigger picture and build something that I really want because yeah. this is what's valuable to me. This is part of my value. It's more yeah. of a legacy move. Yeah, definitely. And like the fact that he said that he felt the same high signing the Stars deal as his first album goes to show that he's just... A guy that doesn't... He's not satisfied by... I wouldn't say he's not satisfied. He's happy, obviously, that he's getting this stuff done. But he always needs to work on something new. Yeah. He always needs to be challenged. And I think that that speaks volumes. And I, and, and that that's what makes this book so relatable to anyone, really. Because if you're a person from the outside looking in that hasn't been from that environment, you might need that push. You might need like a guy from the streets that does what you might want to do in the business world and be like, damn, yeah, I've never seen it that way. I've never looked at things that way. Um, one thing that you mentioned in pre-production that I found that I appreciated a lot was not only did 50 Cent give an example about, you know, like some of his points, some of his chapters, but it was like, it was like a personal situation like yeah. he would literally specifically target a situation yeah. no matter how personal and one thing with 50 cent he's never been a real personal guy no 
So this book did kind of. Yeah, it it was it was like a side of him that I know you and I and Donnell and a few of our friends have mentioned. We kind of wanted more in his music. Yeah, 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 and it's like a real, just a very, and also obviously he's older. He's been in the game and in the entertainment game um, for such a long time that that you're going to just become a way more savvy person and understanding person, but like. Yeah, you're right, actually. Had he... Like, right now, I'd be a lot more interested in listening to an album with this subject matter. Oh. Because it's fifth, and it's... But, but you know, like, this book is... is I would is, love that. Yeah. Yeah, it'd be, it'd be great, but... Obviously, us knowing what he's gotten himself into, because with that $150 million deal, he got three shows that are spinoffs from Power... And then not only that, but I think he has like a budget for the G Unit films that are going to be on Stars too. Uh, so, so it's crazy. But but it's definitely a, a book that I feel like if if you ever want to uh, grow in the business world, I think it's is definitely a a book you got to pick up. I mean, and it's crazy because like even some of the references. Yeah. He talks about Honda, how it started, Lamborghini versus Ferrari. Um, and how like even the fact that like Ferrari came into the game first, and Lamborghini was like, well, no, you you guys have good cars, but you you have problems with some of your parts, and then him con- being a consumer of those both those companies, he's like, yeah, and come to think of it, I've always been happier with Lamborghinis than I have been with Ferraris. Ferraris is a nice name, but sometimes they do have malfunctioning parts. Mm-hmm. But it's like. Just like, it's a guy that's lived through life, but also like pays attention to like the, yeah. the the things that he he's involved with, even the stuff that he consumes. He even there's even there's even a part in the book where he talks about like dressing and like it's yeah. like and not about like oh wearing an expensive ass suit or anything, but like just like the little touches that you put yeah. on how you dress to like make make a difference or make a statement or or whatever the case and how it's sort of like laced into your personality yeah 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 like you could tell that that's a that he's a very he's a very observing guy and and one thing that i thought was key and i tie it to a conversation that i had recently i liked when he mentioned how being from the hood has given him a leg up in a lot of business situations because he's like, he gives an example of like, he's like, I could lose it all tomorrow. And he's like, I'll be pretty much like in a place that I've been before and I'll know what I need to do to get out of there and I'll start moving to get out of there. And he talks about how he's like, as I write this book now from my office, he's like, I look down to the street and he's like, I see a guy on the, the corner hustling peanuts. Oh, yeah. He's like, if I lost everything, he's like, I would be across the street from that guy hustling a different type of peanut, maybe with a name on it, like a, a catchphrase or, yeah. or a logo. And, you know, I have different flavors and then I'd grow and then I try to get those peanuts in Yankee Stadium. And like, he's yeah. like, uh, like how he would grow and, and, and go about things. And what, what what's badass about that, and and I think the the big point that he was trying to make, 
And I was telling somebody this the other day. You don't realize what a leg up you give yourself and or your children by exposing them to certain elements of life that are not so pretty. An example, I know a guy who runs a barbershop and he runs a barbershop in a very nice part of town. But that barbershop in that very nice part of town is very expensive for rent. Obviously, like I've been around this person, like I've talked business with them and everything like that. And I pretty much have told them that you could save a lot of overhead if you went to a different neighborhood. He won't admit it, but I could tell that he's scared of moving the business to a different neighborhood because of the different elements and everything like that. I've talked to people also in real estate that invest in only certain areas. And I told them the same thing. Like you can have way less overhead if you go to a different area. But again, they won't say it, but they don't want to deal with a certain type of area, which is fine. That's their that's their choice. And, you know, I'm not here to knock it. But what was badass is hearing these views and these beliefs that I've held reinforced by fifth saying like, yeah, like you don't know how much more attributes and capacity you have by having dealt with certain things and seen certain things that, you know, some Wall Street guy that's been winning his whole life, he takes a loss and he jumps out of the fucking window versus you are like, damn. And so now rather than like you wanting to jump out of the window, like the wheels get turning. Yeah. It's like, all yeah. right, well, okay, like how do I how do I fix this? How do I make sure this doesn't happen again? Shit, how do I capitalize off of this? You yeah. know, I think that's very important. And I find that not many people are willing to do that, but I, I really do think that it can make all the yeah. difference in many situations. And and it's the key that, that you said that that's one thing we have in common with him is like kind of like where we grew up to an extent. Instead of looking at that as a weakness, look at that as a strength. Oh yeah, I, I always have. Yeah. Yeah, I always have. Like I don't wear it on I don't wear it on my shoulders like some sort of like like fucking you know, award or, or trophy, like, oh, man, I'm from the hood. Like, nah, yeah. that's stupid. Like, people are like, man, you know, motherfuckers from the hood type. No, yeah. but, but I the- do look at it like if I do engage in conversations about, you know, socioeconomic situations, the economy, business, I do reference it. Yeah. And I do use it as a point of reference yeah. to to give to use that as, as an example of, well, well, this is why certain things work. That, you yeah. do things this way. And not only that, but it gives you a level of shrewdness and fearlessness that just some people might just not have yeah. because they weren't exposed to it. Like, that's just, like you said, you could tell the, uh, the barber, oh, man, you got to get the barbershop over here. I'm telling you, you're going to make way more money. But they're looking at it like, are you fucking crazy? Yeah. Hell no. Yeah. I want to live. And, and you're looking at it like, you are going to be living, motherfucker. Like, you just have to be more weary of your surroundings and, and know who you're bringing in, but you'll be fine as long as you have the shrewdness. But it's just that they don't have it. Yeah. And then there comes the fear and then the lack of shrewdness and, and all the fear in the world because they don't understand that environment. They're 
that's a missed opportunity. And and, and by no means are are we sitting here on this pos- podcast advocating <laughs> fucking putting your kid to slang drugs yeah. or anything because even that like is yeah. different than our upbringing. We never sold drugs or nothing like that. Like yeah. Fifty Cent did. Like yeah. he was way more deep in the streets yeah. than we were. We went to school with those guys yeah. and you know we played basketball with yeah. those guys and we were around those guys and talked to those guys and everything like that but like we again yeah we're always a little bit more evolved to know yeah. that like that was like a dead end route for most because let's be honest like there are not many 50 cents there are not many jay-z's Hell, no. you know what i'm no. saying so if if that was like a common thing and that was the route to become a Jay-Z, then yeah, we might have done that too. But the reality is that the route is mostly dead or in jail. So yeah. obviously, like we were smarter than 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 doing that, but all of those elements being privy to all of that stuff, when we've gone on trips, we don't like confine ourselves to like one area. We'll be like, all right, well, let's take a walk, let's see this. Like, yeah. we, like we go off the reservation, so to speak. But Many people no. won't do that, especially no. in a foreign country. Hell no. no. Like, motherfucker no. won't, like, just go. But it's because most people, it, it, I mean, think of it this way. How do we listen to hip-hop and how do some people listen to hip-hop? Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, we could take a Pusha T album and bring out all the gems and none of them have to do with the streets. Yeah. And people will be like, what? No, push a T. That's some street shit. No, 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 no. You know, it's interesting that you say that, though, because in the book, 50 Cent talks about hip hop here and there. Obviously, it's been a huge contributing factor to his success. And he talks about how hip hop audiences, they really do glorify and love damaged things. Oh, yeah. Yep. And, And he talks about how that's kind of when he knew that his place in hip hop wouldn't be the same anymore because he was no longer the the underdog. I think that you and I and our friends and the way we listen to it, we've never much cared for the damaged parts of it. We've always cared for how the damaged parts, if you will, are more or less correcting themselves or bettering the situation. And that's why I think and why I feel I don't necessarily resonate with like a lot of the stuff today because it's all just damaged. Like, oh, she left me drugs. Uh, all my friends yeah. are dead. Like it's 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 like, well, there's nothing. There's really no bravado about this. It's yeah. just like so I could rock with the damage. Like Kanye displays a lot of like, you know, issues where you might be like, oh, this motherfucker's damaged. Jay-Z has pusher has but along with that is like the yeah. the want the sentiment to be better to circumvent that shit where a lot of the more modern day rappers it's just like it's just live and dwell in it yeah and 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 even to add to that can you really honestly say that you'd enjoy and and I'm not saying that that you would or you wouldn't or or you should or you shouldn't but a conversation with Louis Vert as much as you would with like Jay Z. 
Oh, 100% I would not yeah. enjoy it as well. Like, I, now, would, I, don't, I wouldn't even be interested in talking to dude. Yeah. Now, like, from what I know about him. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. But we're open-minded enough where, like, if he talks to us and we talk to him, and, and we're like, damn, this motherfucker knows some shit. Yeah, because I would say that that's been sort of what has happened with me when it comes to Lil Wayne. Like, when Lil Wayne was, like, hot and popping when we were much younger. Yeah. I thought that shit was whack, to be honest. I was like, yeah. damn, like, like everybody, like, loves this dude. And then when people started, like, falling off of him and, like, not fucking with him as much. Yeah. That's actually when I thought his shit was, like, getting better. I was like, oh, yeah. man, like, this, you know what I'm saying? Yep. <laughs> to the point where the last Carter album, like, we, we loved it. Like, his shit was badass, you know? Yeah, yeah. And I thought the Carter 3 was badass where people... That was when people were saying, oh, like, he's starting to fall off type shit. Yeah. But we've always been attracted to assertiveness in the sense that, like, that's that's a that's a good thing. You want people that are assertive, that, that know what they're talking about. Out yeah. of the new rappers, for example. And I'll tell you right now, of course, we don't know this motherfucker, but, like, we don't even listen to his music. But, like, if you sat down and watched... Uh, What's a post Malone interview, and you watched a six nine interview, or or you gave me a choice of what interview to watch? I would watch a six nine interview in the sense that this motherfucker at least has a plan. Yeah. Post Malone, like like matter of fact, actually I didn't even think about this. Charlemagne the God, he's known for trying to put you in the hot seat. In the hot seat, but like. The reason why is because a lot of people look at it like he's hating, but more so to see like if you're really about what you you're about. Yeah, like, and and to 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 get a good interview. Yeah, exactly. And um, if you see the way Post Malone reacted to that, and if you see the way Six Nine reacted to that, it was a completely like polar opposite reaction. And see, that's why when when he was like new and 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 hot six nine or whatever, like I was like, ah, oh, I was ugh. Yeah. And then the first time he interviewed, I was like, yeah, I like this shit. Like I like I like that this guy at least the madness. I can't fuck with it in the sense that like I that's not me. Colors and all that shit and, and tattoos on the face and, and the whack ass raps. Yeah. I don't fuck with that. But at least I fuck with the fact that this guy knows what he's doing. He has a formula and he's not a dumb guy. Well, and that's the open-mindedness that you're talking about. Yeah, and yeah. it's like, yeah, yeah, first, yeah, of course. Also, yeah. if there's a redeeming quality, see, if there's no redeeming quality, which you'll come across people in life that, like, you feel don't have any redeeming qualities and you just don't, like, care to, like, like be around them, converse or whatever. But if there's a redeeming quality and it's, laced with that assertiveness that you're talking about you can rock with it and fifth even talks about that in the book how there was a time he considered firing dj who kid oh yeah because he's he, so dj who kid who for anybody that doesn't know was the g-unit dj and like he was the one that would host all of these like great ass classic ass G-Unit mixtapes that like were very renowned and in the streets people rocked with and everything. So he had stole from some radio disc jockey the uh, uh, a copy of 
a Fat Joe Terror Squad yeah. uh, single that hadn't been released yet. He leaked it on one of the G Unit mixtapes. So once obviously Fat Joe and Terror Squad and Big Pun found out about it, they were very upset. They ran in to Who Kid and he ran. He <laughs> ran away. Yeah. 50 being from the streets and being so like latched onto that street mentality when he found out that Who Kid ran away. He was like, oh, well, are you some type of pussy? Are you some type of bitch? And who kid responded with, yeah, like, yeah, I I am. I am a pussy. Like, I'm not going to fight. Like, I don't want to fight this and that. And, like, fifth being from the streets, which I feel like with, like, our history with our friends and we fought, like, with at places, like, we are more, like, the G-Unit types, like, yeah. we'll fight. We would have been pretty upset at the moment, especially young. Yeah, younger, we would have been like, like what? Like, what kind of bitch-ass shit is that? Like, this yeah. and that. But 50 realized, like, well, damn, like, this motherfucker is not here to fight, though. Like, I don't, like, you know, like, like I don't, yeah. he's not with us to be a fighter. Like, I don't, that's not what I need. He's a good DJ. Yeah. He's good at what he does. And that moment of honesty, he said, has, like, yielded them a friendship that has lasted to this day and has made them both money because, yeah, like, that's not, like, you know, in that moment, he's like, I was mad and I was upset, but as I sit back and realize, like, yeah, that's not what his capacity is. Yeah. But there was the assertiveness and the redeeming quality of being so good at what he was doing. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And so, again, that's more open-mindedness, and I think that sort of, ties into what you said about 6 9 is like, yeah, we don't fuck with the rainbow hair. We don't fuck with the tattoos on the face. But you have an assertiveness and a redeeming quality that is enough for me to rock with you. Bill Maher is the same way. Like, yeah, I don't really rock with your politics, but yeah. you are funny. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Like, you could even make me laugh when you're making fun of, like, my side of things. Yeah. You do come up with a lot of good points. And you're good at what you do. That's yeah. enough for me to be like, oh, I would like like to talk to this person. Yeah. I would I would rock with a conversation. It's not hard, or or, or it'd be hard. It's you're making it very hard for me not to like you. Yeah, exactly. I might not agree with you, but you're making it very hard for me not to like you. I like you. Yeah, it, it's like the scene in Forgetting Sarah Marshall where. <laughs> Jason Siegel's character yeah. is out to sea, and then Russell Brand's character is out there. Yeah, and then he's like, he's like, hey, my, uh, I was on a Sarah's iPod, and amidst that eternal dross on that thing, he's like, I came across one of a, a really cool song, and it was actually your song. And then he's like, he's like, he's like, oh, really? And it was badass because in that moment, if you don't pay attention. You realize that a lot of things are happening culturally. Yeah. There, there's a there's a, a real cultural commentary going on. Yeah. Sarah, kind of a weak ass Hollywood ass fake bitch. Yeah. Listens to garbage. Yeah. Because he even and, says, and she used to say she used to date Jason Siegel. And she used to yeah. date J Jason Siegel, but she kind of like hypergamously upgraded. To Russell Brand. A rock star. A rock star, exactly. Who's like a master at, of his craft. Yeah. Because she's like, a, she's not even like a B-list actress. She's like a C-list. Yeah. But she's still at a higher esteem than the boyfriend that she currently had in Jason Siegel. Yeah. So she hypergamously monkey branches to Russell Brand, the rock star, who is a master of his craft. But you're not all, you also in your hypergamy, you're not realizing 
that dude is gonna fuck every bitch. Like like he like he he's a rock star. Like, yeah. He's not yeah. like looking where looking for to settle down with you, whereas Jason Siegel was all about you. Yeah. She didn't realize that. But in that, like all of that is being said through the characters, but also in the moment of like what's going on with music, because here goes this rock star who's listening to this nothing ass bitch's iPod and yeah. seeing that she listens to nothing but trash except yeah. for this one song that happens to be made by Jason Siegel, who's on a much lower level in, in terms of the limelight, yeah. but is respected by the rock star in terms of capacity and talent. And he's like, he's like, he's like, it was like a a, a goth gothic Neil Diamond. He's and Jason Siegel was like, dude, like that's exactly what I was going for. Yeah. And he's like, oh, you know, like and like even Russell Brand gives himself a little credit. Well, you know, I am like a master of this shit. Yeah, like, yeah, I don't yeah. know what the fuck I'm talking about. <laughs> and then Jason Siegel was like, damn man, it's like hard not to like you. Yeah, no, he's he, like, fuck, you're cool. Yeah, fuck, you're. Awesome. He's like, it's like I hate you in so many ways, but like I could see why Sarah. Sarah, Sarah's dating you, and then she, and then you know they go into the whole thing, and then that's when you find out that she's actually been cheating on dude a lot longer because he's like, oh well, you know, he's like, you got me on a year, and he's like, well, you've been dating her a year, and then the whole thing, but <laughs> yeah. it turns into another thing. But in that little moment, you see that there's a social commentary going on yeah. about it. Really is it deep down? It's about like the redeemable qualities and the assertiveness of whatever it is that you're trying to put out, whether it's your music, your craft, whatever. And that's why that scene is badass. And that's why that that movie is so classic, period. Yes. And why a lot of people, like, they disagree with me, but I think during that time, that was a better movie than Superbad. Yeah, I thought so, too. Because of shit like that. I thought so, too. Exactly. 100%. Well... That's our episode for this week. Thank you guys so much for listening. The show continues to grow because you guys keep listening. So keep on listening. Remember, we're on Spotify, Stitcher, SoundCloud, Apple, and Google. Follow us on Twitter at Hanging With Apes. We'll see you guys next week. We're out. Peace. Peace.